This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Maybe most important, I've committed that by 2020, we will have conserved 30% of all the lands and waters the United States has jurisdiction over and simultaneously reduce emissions to blunt climate impact. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. We're only a few days away from the one-year anniversary of the overturn of Roe versus Wade, June 24th, 2022. Be sure to celebrate and piss off your liberal friends with the 62422 merch available right now at studosmerch.com. Use the promo code Stu10 to save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video right now and subscribe to the channel. Please hit the bell for notifications. We do appreciate when you do so. Eric July is going to join us to unravel all the Juneteenth madness you may have missed from yesterday. And speaking of Juneteenth, John Fetterman is chiming in. Yeah, he paid his respects to the holiday, which is hilarious in several ways, if you know John Fetterman. But we start by doing American justice. American justice, question mark, because is that really what we're looking at right now? I mean, is it? Is it American justice, what we're seeing right now? Well, it starts with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden to plead guilty on federal tax charges, and he strikes a deal on a gun charge. Let's go through the details of this quickly. As part of the plea agreement, the Justice Department has agreed to recommend a sentence of probation for the two counts of failing to pay taxes in a timely matter from 2017 and 2018. Hunter Biden owed at least $100,000 in federal taxes for 2017 and at least $100,000 in 2018, but did not pay what was due to the IRS by the deadlines. Judge will have the final say on any sentence. Hunter Biden's attorney, Christopher Clark, said in a statement that the deal with federal prosecutors will resolve the Justice Department's long-running criminal probe into the president's son. This is it, boys and girls. A firearm charge, which will be subject to a pretrial diversion agreement and will not be the subject of the plea agreement, will also be filed by the government. I know Hunter believes it's important to take responsibility for these mistakes he made during the blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read the rest of it. It's so nonsensical from his attorney. Prosecutors had been examining the 2018 incident in which a firearm owned by Hunter Biden ended up tossed by his then girlfriend into a dumpster in Wilmington. A person briefed on the matter said Hunter Biden described in media interviews in 2021 that he was addicted to drugs, which raised the possibility he broke federal law when he bought the firearm. Um, amazing, right? A really amazing, amazing turn of events and one that we was entirely sus- uh, expected. I mean, you can have something that's amazing and expected, and that is what this is. I don't think there's anybody who really thought that Hunter Biden was going to truly pay a price for his crimes. I know you would pay a price, a price if you committed these crimes. I know if I committed them, I would definitely be in prison. I feel like immediately, if I did any of the things that this guy's just been filming himself on his iPhone doing, I would be in prison. I don't know how he gets away with all this crap. So what he gets is the tax problems, which, of course, the one thing the government seems to actually care about is getting their money, um, which is, I guess, uh, you know, something. And then the gun charge, which basically goes away if, as long as he doesn't violate his parole uh, or his probation 
um, that will basically go away and everything will be fine. And it goes back to something Jonathan Turley said a, a, a while ago. This isn't it's an interesting trick they're trying to pull off. Let me let him describe it. After years of burying the story of Hunter Biden, the media is now attempting an even more precarious exercise. It is called controlled demolition, the implosion of a scandal to limit any blast effect on nearby structures or individuals. Like those buildings dropped in between other structures, it takes precision and most importantly, cooperation to pull off. Specifically, this controlled demolition will require the perfect timing of the media, Democratic politicians, and most importantly, the Justice Department. And here we are. Everyone's playing their roles, right? If you're going to knock down a building in between two other buildings, you've got to make sure everyone's out of the building, the other two buildings, right? You've got to make sure everyone's safe, safely away from the blast debris. You bring it down with controlled demolition so it crumbles onto itself and then goes away forever. And Hunter can just walk away from the entire situation. And that's what we're seeing right now. This is something that we've talked about before. The only two real possibilities here with Biden in control of the Justice Department were one, he got away completely scot-free, which was, I think, less likely, but certainly possible. And here he pays a very small, meaningless penalty for all of the things he did. Think about what would happen if you just did what if you just hooked up with prostitutes multiple times, filmed it yourself and it got in the hands of federal authorities? What would happen to you? This is this American justice? Is this, is this what it is? Trump, of course, is a little upset about this. He says he compared to Hunter Biden's charges to a traffic ticket. Wow, the corrupt Biden DOJ just cleared up hundreds of years of criminal liability by giving Hunter Biden a mere traffic ticket. Our system is broken. And of course, he's correct on this. I will say this doesn't clear Hunter Biden from everything that can happen to him. This is the, these are the federal charges. As Glenn did an entire show a couple of weeks ago, if there was a, a, a local DA, a uh, state level law enforcement official that can come out and look at the crimes committed in their state, there's still directions to go on Hunter Biden. And it would lead, I think, to more juicy stuff down the line if people decided to go down it. We will see if anyone does. Uh, of course, now it's not just Hunter Biden because we see one side of the justice system. Let's look at the other. Trump uh, and his classified documents trial is set for August 14th. Now, a lot of people are like, holy crap, August 14th, that's really fast. That's just basically a placeholder. It's not going to happen in August. In fact, I don't even know that it's going to happen before the election uh, of next year. Now, what is possible here is that Trump cuts a deal and gets a fine or whatever, and this just goes away. Uh, look, you know, I... I We'll get into this here maybe at the end. I don't think this is as big a deal as everyone's making it out to be and for a very specific reason. It's, it's, it's not, certainly not as the left, and I think even on the right we might be overblowing it. Let me go through this here and see if you agree with me. Trump defends keeping classified documents in contentious exchange with Fox's Brett Baer. And this is a pretty good interview. Uh, you know, I think Brett Baer pushed him on some interesting questions, and uh, Trump has his answers here. Let's go through some of them. Uh, talking about... Uh, the documents in the which are the core of this most recent indictment to Donald Trump. There's probably more of those coming, by the way, we should point out uh, with Georgia's case and maybe even another federal situation. We'll get into that here in a little while as those are unfurl. But here is uh, Trump talking to Brett Baer about the documents. Other presidents, when they leave, they take the papers. They have thousands and thousands. Obama had it. Nixon had it. Carter had Their it, the Bushes had These it. These are super sensitive national security oh, documents. I'm sure, I'm sure, All right, so here's, I'm sure you'll see is, real super sensitive that Biden has, because Biden is, has 
far more than anybody's ever kept. And he turned them over when asked. No, he but, didn't. He that, still hasn't he given the 1,850 boxes that's stored at the University of Delaware. In fact, they're fighting them in court, right. and they're fighting them. And but he the opened boxes, up for them to look at it. Excuse me. The boxes from Chinatown, he didn't turn them over. He sent them up to his lawyer in Boston to look at before they handed them over. And there are special counsel that's looking at that, and we'll see what comes well, out of it. But I do want to just you can imagine. This. I don't want to dwell on it, but... There you go. I mean, I, look, I think this is a, more of an argument to be made to win public opinion, right? I mean, the courts don't care if Biden did it or if, if uh, other presidents have done it. Um, and I think it will work with a lot of people. I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, other presidents have had documents before. There's been scandals related to them. None of them really pay a serious price for it. You know, the left will argue that he this was a more egregious case. Again, I said what I believe on this a hundred times. I don't, I don't really care if he had some documents. I mean, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I can't believe we're making that big of a deal about this particular case. I'll get into it a little bit more here in a little while. I will say, of course, you know, a lot of people on the right are making this defense of Trump and saying, well, you know, Hillary Clinton did the same thing. Look, I don't want Hillary Clinton to be president. So uh, it's not an argument to be president that you did the same thing as Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or uh, any of these other people we keep talking about. The issue, I think, more centrally is of all the things that Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden have done, they, these are barely even footnotes. I, who, the fact that Joe Biden had a few boxes of documents near his Corvette is just not something I care that much about, frankly. It's not that big of a deal to me. You know, I mean, I, I think I'm glad they're not in his hands anymore. I'm worried about the oil dripping onto them. And maybe that would damage the documents. Obviously, there is a risk of, of these documents getting in the wrong hands. That's, though, what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about him storing them in a place uh, that, you know, that the, the national records uh, you know, people care about. I mean, that's just not, uh, look, I got a lot of things to be fired up in life. That's just not going to be one of them. You know, here's more of uh, Trump talking to Brett Baer about his possession of the boxes. Please, please, could we have it back? And they please, asked for them. Because they have no, we they were did talking. They for it. No. And they said, can you give some, the documents back? And we were talking. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And in but all why fairness, not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to Nara yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, busy. you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. Uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would Obama say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Now, look, this isn't much of a legal defense. You don't get a I'm busy clause to get out of uh, requests from government officials, unfortunately. I wish I wish that were the case. I kind of like it, uh, but it doesn't usually work all that well. I will say, you know, again, this is sort of like it's not it's not a a particularly smart thing to do to have a client on television trying to argue these things publicly. You, you kind of wish, uh, I, I don't know what you do though. I mean, if you're running for president of the United States, you have to answer these questions. And I don't know what they expect Trump to do. He's got to go on there and say what he believes. Uh, but it is not exactly helpful to your case if you're out there saying things publicly about these particular uh, issues. Um, let's go on more with more about whether Donald Trump has any more remaining documents around. 
It's already been fought. All right. There's a decision strongly that you can keep. But I wouldn't have kept, but they raided my house. They came in and raided. We were discussing, having very good discussions with NARA, a radical left group, by the way, and all of a sudden my house got raided. Do you know if you still have any highly sensitive government documents? No, I, I don't have anything, no. Okay. They, but what I'm concerned about, they took everything, right? I don't know what they took. They could be stuffing it. I don't know what they put in there. And we wanted to be there when they were taking. They wouldn't let anybody in the room. They've never treated a president like this. And that's fair for you to point out. I guess what this points to is this recording where you said you could have declassified it when you were president. You didn't. No, no, so I it's could still have classified. when I was president, but there's no document there. Those were newspaper articles. Okay. They were copies of articles and magazines. There was no document there. And I couldn't have done it after I was out. This is an interesting part of his defense because this is one of the things that, you know, a lot of people in the mainstream media have been saying is the end of, of his argument here. Remember, if you go back, Trump said basically, I, I, everything I took I had declassified, so I could, there's no problem with me having it. Um, and, you know, there's a question there of how much declassification he can do. He has a really wide berth uh, to be able to, to do this as a president of the United States. And if he did anything, really, to declassify them, it, you know, court precedent shows that, generally speaking, he can do that and get away with it. Um, so that's a big part of this. Of course, they have him on tape. And this, uh, this recording, which we have a transcript of only, I have not heard it yet, nobody's heard it yet, if it's accurate... It seems to show, or at least the indication was, that it showed he had a document that he knew was secret and he did not classify, as he said in the, and Brett Baer's gonna kind of go walk you through this here in a longer clip, because I wanna make sure you get the full context of this. And, and you get the sense of where Trump is going with his defense, which is basically he wasn't talking about a document. Well, listen to this. I don't wanna dwell on it, but according to the indictment, you were here at Bedminster on July 21st, 2021, after you're no longer president, and you were recorded saying that you had a document detailing a plan of attack on another country that was prepared by the US military for you when you were president, the Iran attack plan. You remember that? Ready? You were recorded. It wasn't a document. Okay. I had lots of paper. I had copies of newspaper articles. I had copies of magazines. I know. I this is specifically a quote. You're quoted and, on the oh, recording no, and, saying the document was secret, adding that you could have declassified it while you were president, but quote, now I can't. You know this is still secret, highly confidential. And the indictment cites the recording and the testimony from people in the room saying you showed it to people there that day. So you say on this on tape. It says just the opposite. That you can't and, declassify. And so why have it? What I said, when I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I, I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify it. And that's what you said. You didn't said declassify that. it. I said, no, no. I said I couldn't declassify it. I could have but that declassified wasn't a document. It. Brett, there was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. I'm just saying what the indictment says. Well, they, the recording people, and the look, people in the room who these testified. These people are very dishonest people. They're thugs. They're thugs. If you look at what they've done, 
to other people, what they've done to, and overturned in the U.S. Supreme Court. These are thugs. These the suggestion was people. that you wanted this as evidence that the military, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley, had preemptively sent you plans for a possible attack on Iran and that you didn't order that to happen. That's the suggestion. I never ordered it to happen, no. But no. that's why you wanted the document. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a document from Milley. Milley, frankly, was incompetent. The last one I'd want to attack with as my leader would be Milley. That I can tell you. All right. No, we can agree on that for sure. Uh, so just to follow that here, the, the media presented it this way, basically. Hey, I'm Donald Trump. I've got this document. Here it is. It's secret. I wish I could have declassified it, but I never did. Uh, but it shows war plans. OK, that's how the initial media reporting went. What Trump is saying is a little bit different. He's saying, hey, I've got this newspaper article right here. It says that Milley accused me of having war plans. But when, it, when I was president... Uh, Milley presented me with war plans. It was really him who wanted to invade Iran. And unfortunately, I don't have that document because I didn't declassify it and I can't declassify it because I'm no longer president. In other words, he wasn't he didn't have the document with him, wasn't showing it to people. Now, there's another part of the of that particular um, indictment that does show does again accuse him of having the document in his hands separately he didn't really get a question about that particular incident we'll see if he does following up I, I will you know again who knows what he's going with here honestly at this point I, I think he's in a that you know there are witnesses in the room and if the witnesses corroborate that story he's going to be completely clear of this and it will be obvious to everyone that the media was trying to lead people down the road they have done this multiple times before this is why when we went through the indictment before i went on vacation i said to you look i'm going to tell you what's in this indictment but he is donald trump has not had a chance to tell us what his side of these stories are and as we've seen over and over and over again, you can't just believe these things. You have to be able to see the evidence. We'll see testimony from the people who were in the room, and maybe we'll get a better picture of that coming on. Now, a couple things went into the political side of that. I want to go through those here. Um, Brett Baer pushed him on something that I think is a pretty effective attack on Donald Trump from a, a, a political standpoint. Trump has always bragged about being able to hire the best people, but, I mean, kind of by his own estimation, that hasn't really worked out all that well. Here is uh, uh, Brett Baer going through that with Trump and Trump's answer. In 2016, you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous, look, we had the best economy we've ever had. This the world time, has ever seen. Your Vice President Mike Pence is running against you. Yeah. Your Ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, says you shouldn't be President again. I uh, calls you to constantly narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, bar a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House chief of staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Secretary Kayla Kennedy Milktoast, and multiple times you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chow, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. So, 
Why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Milley, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. Now, Trump has some really good arguments as to the results of his policies here. Um, I will say, looking at his hiring practices, it's hard to argue. I mean, and look, he didn't even bring up Fauci, who was in control of this whole COVID response and elevated by Trump really throughout all of 2020. Um, You know, look, he he turns on these people later, but he put them in power in the first place. Most of them. Fauci was pre-existing, but he elevated him while he was there. Certainly his profile. Uh, The bottom line here is that this is going to be something that you're going to see from other people in the Republican primary. Um, Let's see. Do we have time for a little bit more? Let me give you one more clip. This is uh, talking about uh, the 2020 election and how all that went. What do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels that way to win her back? First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot, okay? You Let's get that straight. I won in 2020. You know that this, and if you look at all of the tapes, if the you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or let's go to recent. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to recent. FBI Twitter. Let's go to recent. The 51 agents. All corrupt stuff, Brett. Understand about the all, Hunter Biden. Well, no, but that's cheating on the election. But Brett, that's cheating on the election. You lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brett. Uh, You take a look at all of the stuffed ballots. You take a look at all of the things, including things like the 51 intelligence agents. There were recounts in all of the swing states. You've you've been through this 100 times, obviously. You know these stories. Um, You know, look, this is one of the things people complain about with Trump, uh, that whether he is going to uh, talk about 2020 the entire time. He was asked, obviously, about this at some level, and he was defending it. You know, I think there is a question that's fair that people are going to bring up is to, you know, look, when something happens, when a president is is in office and something bad happens, uh, they're usually held responsible for it. And if the biggest overturn of American democracy in history happened while he was president, uh, there's going to be fair questions to be like, if if the election was stolen, why didn't you see it coming? Why didn't you do anything about it? You know, why why did you wait till after the election to file a bunch of these lawsuits? Why didn't you see this stuff coming? That's going to be a fair point of criticism against Trump. And he's going to have to defend himself on that. I will leave you with this. Um, Polymarket is a uh, it's an investment site. You can invest invest on um, uh, different through the cryptocurrency world and you can invest on various outcomes. One guy has had some interesting luck on this. Um, one user on Polymarket has lost about $100,000 so far betting that Trump will be reinstated as president, like not win the next election, but be reinstated during Biden's term. But he just hit a huge $13,000 payday today with the Hunter Biden indictment, which is great. And then he promptly reinvested most of the profits into Trump being reinstated in September. So who knows? Maybe maybe this will all come together and everything will work out well for this person. But Uh, A lot of money on the line there, and I don't know that I would want to be on that side. I think a much safer bet is that Trump just wins the primary and wins the election in 2024. I don't think he's going to have a September 2023 presidency, but hey, I've been wrong before.
Let me tell you about the Upside app. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I get cash back on every purchase. It's a secret weapon for staying on track with your savings goals. To get started, just download the, download the free Upside app. Now, when you use my promo code STU, you'll get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. I've got the Upside uh, app on my phone uh, right here. And, uh, and just put it on here, click on it. And it got the uh, whole situation right here. Like I'm looking at my, go to you, there's a little button on the bottom that says my history. Uh, got th uh, the other day, uh, 81 cents back, then 348, 167, $4.33, $4.34, $0.22, $3.72, cents, and on and on and on and on and on. The bottom line is, every time you're doing your normal stuff, you don't have to do some crazy uh, you know, scans or loyalty programs. You just download the free Upside app, you use the promo code STU, you get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon of your first tank of gas, and you just pay with your credit card as normal. It's really, really easy. Save money with Upside, get 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas using my promo code STU with the Upside app. Save money with Upside. I'm joined now by Eric July, Blaze TV contributor, host of the For Canon's Sake podcast, and founder of Ripperverse Comic Comics. Uh, be sure to pre-order your copy of the highly anticipated second Isom graphic novel at ripperverse.com. Today, we're going to get into that here in a second and tell you a big update. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the program. Hey, man, I appreciate you as always. Yeah, it's great to see you. Um, I want to uh, start maybe where we just left off. We just did, talked about the Hunter Biden developments today, the uh, Trump situation uh, today. Um, everything that's going on with our justice system. What is your impression of the justice system of the United well, States these days? <laughs> well, I mean, it's easy for me, definitely, as uh, the libertarian and the uh, residential uh, anarchist at the at the table, where I'm always griping about whatever's going on uh, with our supposed judicial system, justice system, whatever it is you want to call it. But you know, I think when stuff like this happens, you have folks that still believe. Maybe you're a little naive, but I think your optimism deserves some credit. But you have people that that look at that as if they're the upper. It's almost like politicians. Actually, you look at people, be, be it the courts or the judges, people actually look at them above that. Right. Like that's where things get settled. Right. That's where the righteous decision is going to be made. But when you start to see these levels, there are different levels of, uh, uh, I guess, unfairness, um, I think is is important because people are now realizing uh, what happens and has it happened historically at a at a different level. Let's say the lower level use and eyes of the world that may not actually stand a chance when that unfairness sort of hits you. So it, it's not one of those um, objective things. I think that people look at these different the, definitely the court systems in itself. They look at it like it's um, uh, like it is something, some level of objectivity, even with the Supreme Court. And that's really never been uh, the case at all. And the quicker that I think people realize it, the quicker uh, we can actually find some sort of creative solutions to these problems. More importantly, people can start to figure out ways to resolve issues uh, themselves and throughout uh, their individual communities, as opposed to relying on definitely higher court systems to fix it. Because you see now, um, that's not how, how it works. Generally, the person uh, that has some sort of charge is going to be the one that is going to be favored in those situations. And often cases, that's not you or your guy. Yeah, it's amazing because I think we get so fired up about the political stuff back and forth every day. And we see these high profile cases with celebrities and all this other stuff going on. And we forget often about the everyday person who yep. goes through yep. these struggles with the justice system all the time. 
oftentimes unfairly. And those people just, they don't get the headlines. That's not what's going to happen. Um, and I know you've talked about this uh, quite a bit. Let me move over quickly to, uh, to Juneteenth, uh, the holiday that was yesterday. Eric, I'm really, we've talked about this before. I'm conflicted on Juneteenth. I, I think a day to celebrate the overturning of a horrific government policy is a really mm. good idea. I think we should have more days like that, actually, <laughs> if you want to talk about. Uh, you know, overturning of slavery, a great, great thing. I'm glad we did it, really excited about it. A holiday, it's worth a holiday. However, we're looking at our, our system today and, and all the stuff that's going on, and this is clearly now being used for other purposes. Am I, am I reading the situation right? Nah, not, not at all. Uh, people, uh, definitely activist groups have kind of um, quickly, very quickly hijacked that to make it mean whatever it is that they want it to mean, and they're a continued push for uh, a social justice, which is a term that these guys often use to sort of describe anything that they feel is justified or good. So everything's within the scope of uh, social justice, including being against slavery, which is absolute nonsense. But uh, you're, you're completely right about that. And not, me, it's not anything if I didn't if I wasn't on social media, I wouldn't even know that it was a thing uh, that was happening uh, during that time, because it's not anything like I personally go around celebrating. But I can totally empathize with the fact that, well, it was horrific. It was something that is uh, uh, it, it sucks, <laughs> you know, call it what it is. Uh, considering America's history is one, one of the most uh, greatest, let's say, human atrocities that um, had ever been uh, committed. And uh, it's OK to recognize that. But I don't know what exactly we're I guess we're celebrating th that being sort of over overturned. But, you know, activist groups go activist groups. So th that didn't take long at all. No, they're just going to jump all over this. I love, too, the government is so inefficient. We celebrate the day like two months after the True. policy actually happened because it took two months to get to tell the people affected by it. It's a, it's a wonderful celebration of government inefficiency and <laughs> the, the, the terrible things the government has done. How do we look at this and say... Oh, well, this is a, 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 a something that should be put in the cont context of modern racism, when in reality what this is is a horrible past incident from our history that yeah. was that would be impossible in all contexts without a government that has so much power to implement a policy like that. No well, one ever well, seems to look at it that way. The same thing can be said for the other definitely racial based uh, laws, be it through the civil rights uh, era and Jim Crow laws, black codes, slave slave codes. I mean, these these laws were implemented when slaves were fresh off the boat and they knew that they needed the state in itself. You don't have something exist to a mass scale like that unless you have the state. Uh, sanction. Well, it's not more so. They're promoting and endorsing it is uh, more accurately putting it what it what it did. So when you look at the overturning of these of these laws, almost nobody looks at it through that lens of how dangerous government uh, is and, and and can be. That that's not ever understood. They only look at it like from the social political uh, uh, aspect and, and how that sort of impacted uh, the, the landscape at, at the time, not looking at it, because if they did, they wouldn't be advocating for the various amounts of laws that they want to still be in the books or new ones that they want to be further implemented. That also play on this concept of race. They wouldn't be advocating for any of those if they actually learn from that. And that is the government is dangerous. Historically, it has been and it always will will be. It is, um, I mean, you want to talk about mass violence, genocide, all of that, democide, all of that, it gets facilitated by the state. That's exactly what it is. But unfortunately, these 
be a pro-black activist who look at that holiday, let's say talking about Juneteenth, for what it actually is. They don't seem to look at it through that lens of the state because often these are the biggest statists to exist. <laughs> Which is so ironic. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, before you go, uh, Eric, I, w- I want to talk to you about uh, just your continued run here, which is amazing. I mean, I don't know, maybe some people thought you were a one-hit wonder here with the first uh, issue, uh, the first uh, ISOM. Um, now you've got number two coming out. Uh, can you kind of tell people, um, first of all, uh, again, walk people through why you decided to do this, because, yeah. you know, you, you, this is still a new project to you. And then give us an update on, on how the second edition is selling so far. Yeah. Putting this in the context, I saw one didn't uh, and the company didn't technically launch to the uh, to the public. Uh, it hasn't been a year yet, Jeez. you know, so it, we're still relatively early in the process. But I saw one, you know, Ripperverse uh, Publishing. This is my own publishing comic book company is actually where I'm at right now, sitting here in the warehouse in my office. Um, but this was uh, a lifelong dream, but it was accelerated because of the absolute state of comic books. So I figured there was no better time than now. The content problems that plague this industry, the economic issues that plague this industry, and people that watch me and have been longtime watchers of me, they might come for me for the political commentary, which you guys know I'm a comic book guy and I'd been talking about this stuff for years. And I figured I'd be a part of the solution. Um, as opposed to just always griping about the problem. So we launched with ISOM 1, the first comic book character in his self-titled book um, for the company. And yeah, we got $3.7 million in pre-orders in the first 75 days. And yeah, to your point, a lot of folks didn't want to believe that that could ever be the case, that some guy that's kind of against the grain doesn't necessarily have the same political or social views as a lot of people that are in this industry. There's no way that he could see the level of success. Again, it's just a bunch of people that were more so supporting it out of charity. Well, here we are. We're uh, only a week into it and we're already at one point five million uh, almost 1.5 million. And we have uh, sold over a third, over 20,000 books, which is a third of what we sold, uh, the first campaign. So we're already there. It's only been a week. So this is showing yet again, that this is real. There's a true demand for it. And yeah, we're here to stay. Yeah. And also, by the way, we should point out has a, it it shows the quality of the first one, right? Like no matter how much people agreed with your mission, if it sucked, people would not be buying the second one. They're buying it in massive, massive numbers. And you're doing something different too, Eric, uh, this time people can, if you're, you know, if you're a comic book store, the first one you were just selling through the site, right? Now people can get this into their stores. There's obviously a huge hunger for this. And I got to imagine a lot of stores are going to do this. How do they, how do they get involved? Yes. Uh, if you go to Ripperverse.com, which, of course, is our website and click retailers as a tab at the top, um, that is our retailers portal. We recently implemented that and that allows just like within the other, let's say, with the other comic book companies and their distributor, they can get signed up. They can send us all the information. We'll get them their own log in and they're, they're going to be able to order old Ripperverse books, new uh, Ripperverse books for their store. We only had a handful of stores that did buy into it by directly emailing us and getting that, taking advantage of that retailer price. And every one of them sold out. There was not one comic book shop that held ISOM, including one of the biggest online publishers, or excuse me, online um, uh, retailers uh, in, in the comic book industry. They got two 
two different orders, big orders, and they sold out on every single one of them. So definitely an industry that's <laughs> uh, people are struggling to make money these days. If you want to make some money, you buy ISO books, you buy Riververse books. But that is something that we wanted to do for our retailers. We do believe in the local comic book shop as far as what it was and what it used to be. Hopefully we can sort of reignite that that flame that they once had and um, at least, again, be a part of that solution. So that's their way to get involved. I, I will say there's so much crappy news out there. This is one of these stories that I just love. I just love how successful you've been with this, and I can't wait to see where it's going to go from here. Uh, Eric July, founder of Ripaverse Comics. Be sure to get your pre-order in for ISOM number two at ripaverse.com today. Eric, thanks so much for doing the show, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you always, brother, and let's do it again. Ah, do you want to be as healthy as me? Well, you probably don't want to do that, but you probably do want your liver to be a little bit healthier, don't you? I mean, we throw cholesterol and alcohol and toxins. I mean, I just was on vacation for a week. My liver is, is I could hear it slow, like, silently almost sobbing as I was trying to sleep last night. Look, if you don't want to have a sluggish, fatty liver, you want to try something that's going to help you. Your liver has been helping you with like 500 key functions every single day. Try Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula is an all-natural supplement. It contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. If you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive five free gifts when you order today. Get a bottle of the blood sugar formula to help reduce sugar cravings. Always a big deal. You'll also get four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health. Try Liver Health Formula today by going to getliverhelp.com slash stew. Claim your five free bonus gifts. It's getliverhelp.com slash stew to try Liver Health Formula. Well, John Fetterman is in the news, and you, you know that's, that's going to work out well. Uh, Fetterman, of course, who bumbles his way through almost every single thing that he says, is being mocked on Twitter, and this is, uh, this is uh, upsetting. Um, apparently, he tweeted a Juneteenth tweet. Here's what it said. Happy Juneteenth. Today, we celebrate emancipation plus reflect on the long shadow of systemic racism in America. PA always stands by the unshakable truth that black families matter plus Black Lives Matter. Now, of course, when you say, keep this on the screen for a second, because when you say black families matter, doesn't it automatically already mean that black lives would matter? How could black families matter, but then black lives don't matter? Also, notice the, um, the pride rainbow that made its way into the Juneteenth message, which is always very, very nice from John Fetterman. Now, some people were, had the, uh, the unmitigated gall to point out that maybe John Fetterman, not the perfect messenger, for a pro-emancipation um, message, of course, because he did hold a black man at gunpoint against his will. Uh, and sometimes when you um, basically imprison an innocent man for a period of time, um, some people don't see it, it, maybe you to be the best voice for emancipation. Uh, that's uh, kind of kind of a problem. A lot of people brought this up, of course. He held a black man at gunpoint. And I, they never really will point out that he was dangerously jogging. Uh, he may have been jogging right at Fetterman, you know? I mean, actually, in this particular case, he was jogging um, on his own on, out for a run. But Fetterman chased him down and then held him at gunpoint for a long period of time. So, you know, sure, um, not, not uh, suboptimal is, what I, is, the, is the, sort of the banner there. I would say the, the incident, suboptimal. But luckily, Fetterman has now come along to help all black families and black lives and rainbow people because those people apparently 
matter. Nobody else matters, but the groups chosen for this particular message matter. Now, if you've ever, um, I don't know, taken a flight somewhere, you're probably not going to try to build your own airplane and fly it. That's, I mean, some people might do that. The Wright brothers, thankfully, they were around. But most people are not experts on building planes and flying them. When it comes to buying and selling, most people are not experts. You might not be a realtor yourself. You can try to look some stuff up online, but you can also try to look online how to build a plane and see if it works. It's not, I will say, I think maybe the real estate thing is more complicated. Uh, Realestateagentsitrust.com is a company Glenn started a few years ago because he was sick of the hassles of buying and selling homes. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best agent in your area, whether you're buying a home, whether you're selling a home, whether you're moving from a red state or a blue state into a red state or a blue state, you may or may not know an agent in that area that is, knows what they're doing. Well, realestateagentsitrust.com does. Go there, find the best agent in your area, realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, a free service to you, realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're looking at CNN today, you will see, of course, coverage of the submarine on Expedition 2 Titanic wreckage missing with five aboard. Search and rescue operation is underway. We're counting down the minutes of oxygen that they have left. Now, I, this is a really sad story, of course. Uh, if you watch the 60-minute report on this particular submarine, it's kind of crazy. Like, there's a, they're controlling this by, like, a Sega Genesis <laughs> controller from 1996. Uh, they've got like one button in the submarine. It's a very strange, strange thing. But people have been paying a quarter of a million dollars to go down and see the Titanic. I don't understand the fascination. People have got videos of it at this point, but it's a whole different story. The bottom line is that it looks really bad. Uh, the, the fact that communication would be gone and, uh, you know, they can't seem to find this thing doesn't bode well. That doesn't seem like they're just waiting uh, somewhere with oxygen running down, which would be probably an incredibly terrifying situation. The, the inside of this submarine, you can't even stand up in it. You're just, it's like the inside of like a, the back of a van is basically the way they describe it. So it is not a lot of space, uh, five people inside. It's going to probably end in catastrophe. Whether we see these, we ever hear from these people again is a question. Uh, I mean, not even hear from them again, but ever find them even after the worst happens. We pray and hope that this gets solved, but it's a very, very uh, sad uh, story, and that's been going on. And, you know, CNN people are pointing out this is their new lost airliner story, so they're on it like crazy. If you want any updates, go there. They're going to be talking about it. Um, new study shows that AI can predict a person's politics by their looks, uh, this is basically whether they smile in pictures, what they found, and it's 61% accurate. So let's not go too crazy here with AI. 61% accurate, which of course they should be 50% accurate by luck. So it's not that incredible, but it is a little bit over uh, what you know, happenstance would show. And what they're finding is basically, if you're smiling in your pictures, you're probably conservative. If you're not smiling, you're probably liberal. I don't know, do you smile in your pictures? I mean, I think if you're a happy person, you probably do from time to time. So no wonder you're a conservative. Conservatives are generally more happy with the world, right? I mean, liberals are constantly complaining about everything. They see everything as a, some sort of a racial conspiracy. I don't know. It's, it seems a lot better to just live life and be happy. And, uh, you know, but we can't with all of this. Uh, you know, structural racism, yeah, yeah, you can. You know what? Um, I, we talked to Eric July earlier. Does he seem like he's uh, upset? Uh, he seems like he's mastering the world right now. He's, he's basically got a money printing machine he's created. Good for him. 
Be happy. Enjoy capitalism. It's a, it's a good thing. You'll, you'll like it if you just don't complain about it all the time. Speaking of that, multimillionaire Colin Kaepernick says U.S. needs to end capitalism and partners with Marxists in a new book. And that's a very, that's a post-millennial writing that, um, and that's a very charitable way of talking about what he's doing. You know, some people are saying, hey, uh, how come, and I agree here, of course, Colin Kaepernick is a beneficiary of cap- capitalism and wants to end it. And in this project, here he is again, getting more money, yet complaining about capitalism. But capitalism provides a useful service for money, okay? That's the basic fundamental transaction there. This is not a useful service. This is a bunch of, he didn't even write this. It's a bunch of essays by other people he's putting his face on. To, I mean, it's a scam. It's not capitalism, it's just a scam. Colin Kaepernick is scamming you. You want something valuable for money? Okay, go to the merch, uh, the Colin Kaepernick merch. We've got it for you. Always remember, Colin, before Colin Kaepernick ever took a knee, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert. We have that, we have that merch for you up at stewdoesmerch.com. Code is stew10. Stewdoesmerch.com, the code, stew10. Well, thanks for joining me on my first day back from uh, vacation. Tomorrow on Glenn's show, I'm going to be on there. We're going to be reviewing all the stuff that we missed because we were both off and we missed a bunch of news stories. We're going to go through them. I'm going to challenge him to see if he can tell what the fake news stories are, which the real ones are. We will see you tomorrow.